Welcome to Zichud Dav Siman Memorabay Avram Goldhari and Tirim Vesachas Yavamas Dav Chavav. The end of the second parak Ketzad and the beginning of the third parak Arba Achim. The second parak has been generously sponsored for the Hatzlacha of Avad Ben Leia and his family. So the three Dabs we're going to focus on number one. The next Mishnah states Vakulam and all of them referring to the Chacham who did not release a wife from her netter, the Shaliach who brought a get from Medina Siyam, and the witness to a man's death Shayulahem Nashim Vamesu Mutarsli Nasilahem. If they had wives at the time, and the wives later died, they're permitted to marry the woman whose case they were involved in. Rush explains that there's no reason to be suspect that they had ulterior motives since they were married at the time. The Gemara says that this implies that if they had divorced their wives, then they would not be permitted to marry these women, for people would say that they divorced their wives in order to marry them. Rav Hill said to Ravashi that this contradicts the Bryce of the taught that they could marry these women even if they divorced their wives. The more answer that the Bryce's case, which permits him to marry, is the Havikatata, where there is already a conflict in the marriage prior to the incident. Alternatively, the mission's case that forbids him to marry was the Argalhu, where it was the husband who began fighting with his wife. Since he's the cause of the divorce, people will say he did so with the intent to marry the woman. Point number two, the mission state of a Kulan, Mutaros Livnem Olachem. And all these women are permitted to the sons and brothers of these men who are involved in freeing them. The one asks why this is different from what was taught in the Bryce, that if one is the subject of rumors that he was with a certain woman, then he's forbidden to marry her mother, her daughter, or her sister. Or she explains that the Rabbana were concerned that if he marries one of these relatives of the woman, he would be in close proximity to her and come to have relations with her, which would be a violation now of a derisa. Why is there not an equal concern when letting the woman marry the man's relative? The more answer is that it's common for a woman to go and visit other women, and therefore, the concern is that the man will have an illicit relationship while the woman visits his wife. It is not common, however, for men to go visit other men. Alternatively, since if a woman has relations with another woman's husband, it does not prohibit the husband to his wife, the rabbana were concerned that the wife might not do anything to prevent the relationship since she's not at risk of losing her husband. A husband, though, would never let his wife be involved in an illicit relationship since it would forbid him to her. And pointing with you, Rabbi Barav Huna said in the name of Rav, in the case of three sisters married to three brothers, and they fall for Yibam to two brothers-in-law, one brother does chalitza with one of the sisters, the other brother does chalitza to another one of the sisters, and the middle sister, the third one, requires chalitza from both brothers. Rabbi said to Rabbi Barav Huna that since you said that the middle sister requires chalitza from both brothers, it's evident that you hold that there is zika. And this chalitza is a chalitza pasula. Rush explains that a chalitza pasula is where the brother is not permitted to do yibum and forced to do chalitza, such as this case, where the yavama is the sister of the chalitza. Since it's a chalitza pasula, the yavama requires a chalitza from all the brothers, since this type of chalitza does not have the strength to sever the zika from all the brothers at once. The Gemara will analyze this ruling and bring a conflicting opinion. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah states, Vakulam, and all of them, referring to the Chacham who did not release a wife from her netter, the Shalich who brought a get from Medina Ziyam, and the witness to a man's death, Shayulim Nashim Umesu Nasilahem. If they had wives at the time, and the wives later died, they're permitted to marry the woman whose case they were involved in. Rush explains that there's no reason to be suspect that they had ulterior motives since they were married at the time. The Gemara says that this implies that if they had divorced their wives, then they would not be permitted to marry these women, for people would say that they divorced their wives in order to marry them. 
Rabbi Hillel said to Ravashi that this contradicts the Bryce of the Tot, that they could marry these women even if they divorced their wives. The more answer to the Bryce's case, which permits him to marry, is the Havikatata, where there is already a conflict in the marriage prior to the incident. Alternatively, the Mishnah's case that forbids him to marry was the Argohu, where it was the husband who began fighting with his wife. Since he's the cause of the divorce, people will say he did so with the intent to marry the woman. Pointing to the Mishnah's state of Akulan, Mutaros Livnem Olachem. And all these women are permitted to the sons and brothers of these men who are involved in freeing them. The rest, why this is different from what was taught in the Bryce, that if one is the subject of rumors that he was with a certain woman, then he's forbidden to marry her mother, her daughter, or her sister. Where she explains that the Rabbana were concerned that if he marries one of these relatives of the woman, he would be in close proximity to her and come to have relations with her, which would be a violation now of a derisa. Why is there not an equal concern when letting the woman marry the man's relative? The more answer is that it's common for a woman to go and visit other women, and therefore, the concern is that the man will have an illicit relationship while the woman visits his wife. It is not common, however, for men to go visit other men. Alternatively, since if a woman has relations with another woman's husband, it does not prohibit the husband to his wife, the rabbinic were concerned that the wife might not do anything to prevent the relationship since she's not at risk of losing her husband. A husband, though, would never let his wife be involved in an illicit relationship since it would forbid him to her. And pointing with you, Rabbi Barab Huna said in the name of Rav, in the case of three sisters married to three brothers, and they fall for Yibam to two brothers-in-law, one brother does chalitza with one of the sisters, the other brother does chalitza to another one of the sisters, and the middle sister, the third one, requires chalitza from both brothers. Rabbi said to Rabbi Barav Huna that since you said that the middle sister requires chalitza from both brothers, it's evident that you hold that there is zika. And this chalitza is a chalitza basula. Rashi explains that a chalitza basula is where the brother is not permitted to do yibum and forced to do chalitza, such as this case, where the yavama is the sister of the chalitza. Since it's a chalitza pasula, the yavama requires a chalitza from all the brothers, since this type of chalitza does not have the strength to sever the zika from all the brothers at once. The Gemara will analyze this ruling and bring a conflicting opinion. All right, so now we go to Simadav Chavav, and her standard simon is a military coup. A military coup. So here goes. The soldier who testified that his friend died in the military coup and then married the wife after his own wife died met up with a comrade whose testimony freed up a woman to marry his son. And they had a grand old time discussing the sinya of Chalitza Pesula. Once again, it's a motion. The soldier who testified that his friend died in the military coup, military coup, that must mean we're on Duff Chavav. The soldier who testified that his friend died in the military coup and then married the wife after his own wife died, which reminds us the next mission states Vakulam and all of them referring to the Chalcham who did not release a wife from her net, the Shliach who brought a get from Medinasiam and the witness to a man's death, Shayulam Nashima Mesu Nasalahem. If they had wives at the time and the wives later died, they're permitted to marry the woman whose case they were involved in. Rush explains that there's no reason to be suspect that they had ulterior motives since they were married at the time. Tikmore clarifies that in certain situations, even after he divorces his wife, one is permitted to marry these women. So, the soldier who testified that his friend died in the military coup, and then married the wife after his own wife died, met up with a comrade whose testimony freed up a woman to marry his son. Which reminds us, the Mishnah stated, V'kulan mutars livnen olachem. And all these women are permitted to the sons and brothers of these men who were involved in freeing them. The Gemara explains why this is different from what is taught in Abraisa, that if one is the subject of rumors that he was with a certain woman, that he's forbidden to her mother, her daughter, or her sister.
So the soldier who testified that his friends died in the military coup and then married the wife after his own wife died met up with a comrade whose testimony freed up a woman to marry his son. And they had a grand old time discussing the city of Chalitza Basula, which reminds us that a Chalitza Basula is where the brother is not permitted to do Yibum and forced to do Chalitza, such as in the case where the Yavama is the sister of the Yavam's Chalitza. Since it's a chalitza basua, the Yavam requires a chalitza from all the brothers, since this type of chalitza does not have the strength to sever the zika from all the brothers at once. So once again, the soldier who testified that his friend died in the military coup and then married the wife after his own wife died, met up with a comrade whose testimony freed up a woman to marry his son. And they had a grand old time discussing the sugya of chalitza basua. All right, now it's time for four blabat chazara. Dav Chabes. So the Sim Dav Chabes is a cab. So here goes. The Ger and Hashnia wife finally flagged down a cab. Cab? That must be more Dav Chabes. The Ger and Hashnia wife finally flagged down a cab, which reminds us the Rabbanim were not goes Hashniyos for a Ger. And the only reason the Rabbanim prohibited in the Arabic is that people should not say, by the Kedusha Chamuro Kedusha Kala. The Ger come from a strict level of Kedusha, being that non-Jews are prohibited to their non-Jewish mother, and now they come to a lesser level of Kedusha, as they are now permitted to marry their non-Jewish mother. So, the Ger and Hashnia wife finally flagged down a cab, driven by a Mumser brother, which reminds us, a Mumser brother is Zokek his brother's wife to Yibum, and a Mumser son exempts his father's wife from Yibum. The source that a mumser qualifies as a son is learned from the Pasuk Uven Enlo, and he has no son. Since the word Ein is written with a Yud, it implies Ein Alav, examine him, which Rush explains to mean that one should see if he has any type of son, even a mumser. So the Ger and his Shnia wife finally flagged down a cab, driven by a mumser brother who just let out a Balaochoso passenger whom he charged twice, which reminds us, it's a Malchus bin Rabbi Yosef bin Yehuda and the Chukamim whether a Baal one who has relations with his sister, who's the daughter of his father's wife, whether he's chayv once or twice, given two psukim that discuss relations with his sister. Dav Chav Gimel, so the similar Dav Chav Gimel is Kugelach. So here goes. It was an awkward scene at the Kiruv Kugelach competition. Kugelach, that must be more Dav Chav Gimel. It was an awkward scene at the Kiruv Kugelach competition when a man's two daughters, one from a Shivcha and the other from a Nachris, which reminds us of the what Rabbi Yossi does with the Pasuk, and answers that one Pasuk excludes the daughter of a Shivcha and the other excludes the daughter of a Genta, and both are needed. If the Torah only taught the case of a Shivcha, one would think her daughter is excluded because she has no Yichus in family relationships, whereas a Gentile woman does have Yichus in her relationships. And if the Torah had only taught the case of a Gentile woman, one would think her daughter is excluded because she is not shaykh to mitzvahs, but the daughter of a shivcha would be included because she's shaykh to mitzvahs. So, it was an awkward scene at the Kiruv Kugloch competition when a man's two daughters, one from a shivcha and the other from a nachris, came to watch his Jewish grandson, whose father wasn't Jewish, which reminds us the Pasuk states regarding the prohibition of intermarriage, ki is bin chamacharai, for he, referring to a Gentile father married to a Jewish woman, will turn your son away from me, and they will serve other gods. From here we learn that a son from a Jewish woman is called Bincha, your son, but a son from a Gentile woman is not called your son, but rather he's considered her son. The child follows the non-Jewish status of his mother. So, it was an awkward scene at the Kiruv Kugelach competition, when a man's two daughters, one from a Shivcha and the other from a Nachris, came to watch his Jewish grandson, whose father wasn't Jewish, play against two surviving brothers of a man who hadn't remembered which one of two sisters. He married, which reminds us, if one was Makadish, one of two sisters, but does not know which one of them he was Makadish, and then he dies childless and has two brothers, one must do chalitza to one of the sisters, and afterwards the other brother may take the other sister in Yibam. 
The Gemara clarifies the Mishnah coming to teach that the order must be that the first brother does chalitza, and then the second one can do yibum. And it cannot be that the first brother does yibum to kapaga ba'achos zikukaso, for then he would be possibly violating the prohibition of marrying the sister of a zikuka. Dav chav dalad, so the similar dav chav dalad is a pitcher, a kad. So here goes. The Yaakov Moshim Achiv Yavam, who inherited his deceased brother's entire antique pitcher collection. Pitchers? That must be more in Daf Chav Dalet. The Yaakov Moshim Achiv Yavam, who inherited his deceased brother's entire antique pitcher collection. Which reminds us, it was taught in the Bryce of the Pusik states, Vahayal Bechor, and it shall be the firstborn. Bechan Yavam. From here we learn that it's a mitzvah of the eldest to do Yibum. Yakum Oshim Achiv, he shall be established on the name of his brother, Lenachla, which refers to inheritance, which teaches that the one who does Yibum inherits the entire estate of his brother. So the Yakum Oshim Achiv Yavam, who inherited his deceased brother's entire antique pitcher collection, was dismayed when he was told that he would not receive a double portion of his grandfather's collection destined for his father, which reminds us, the Gemara asks regarding what halacha did the Torah mention Bechor when it could have said that the eldest brother should preferably do Yibum. It answers that the term Bechor was written like Rusa to diminish the Yavim's rights. Just as a Bechor does not take a double portion in his father's inheritance, which is still yet to come to the father, like the assets that are currently in the possession of a living grandfather, so to the Yavim who stands in the place of the deceased brother and takes a double portion in his father's estate, he does not take an extra portion in the father's assets, which are still yet to come, like the ones were already in the father's possession. So, the Yaakov Moshim Achiv Yavam, who inherited his deceased brother's entire antique pitcher collection, was dismayed when he was told that he would not receive a double portion of his grandfather's collection destined for his father, and grew worried that his wife, who converted because of his anticipated wealth, would leave him. Which reminds us, the Gemara discusses whether gearing that converted for an ulterior motive are considered legitimate gearing. Dav Chav Hei. So the sin Dav Chav Hei is a silver wedding anniversary. So here goes. The couple celebrating 25 years of marriage. 25 years of marriage, a silver wedding anniversary? That must be more on Dav Chav Hei. The couple celebrating 25 years of marriage after rumors were counted before a day and a half had elapsed, which reminds the Mishnah Dav Chav Dal and state that if one was subject to rumors that he had relations with a married woman and Basin required the husband to divorce her, if the suspected adulterer married her, he must divorce her. The Gemara brought him Alchokas, where Rav held that the adulterer only divorces her when there were witnesses to the adultery, and Rebbe held he must divorce her even based on a mere rumor without witnesses. On this stuff, the Gemara says the Lach is like each of them and explains that there's not a contradiction, but the distinction is whether there was a called the Pasik, a rumor that was stopped by a counter-rumor that denied the first one. Abai says that his adopted mother taught him that a call the little Pasik, a rumor that was not stopped, is a rumor that endures for a day and a half. So, the couple celebrating 25 years of marriage after rumors were countered before a day and a half had elapsed lost their appetite when the waiter testified to them that he killed a husband. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states that if one testifies regarding a man that he died or I killed him or we killed him, he may not marry the dead man's wife. Which implies that while he may not marry the wife, others may marry her. The Gemara says the Mishnah can be explained in accordance with Rabbah who rules Adam Karuva Eitzel Atzmo Bein Adam Mesim Atzmo Rasha. A person is considered related to himself and therefore a person cannot disqualify himself from testifying by establishing himself as a Rasha. In effect, Pagim Dibura. We split his testimony so the part regarding himself is not considered but his testimony regarding the other is believed. So the couple celebrating 25 years of marriage after rumors were countered before a day and a half had elapsed lost their appetite when the waiter testified to them that he killed a husband who was a mumcha judge who had married a woman he released 
from a vow. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states, HaChachim She'asher Ze'ish Ben Neder Abala Ena. HaChachim who forbids a woman to her husband by not releasing her from a neder she made not to derive pleasure from him, and he divorced her, may not marry the woman. Even though a basin of three is required to release the woman from her vow, and in such a case the judge would not be suspect since he's acting as part of a basin, the more explains that the case was with a single judge who was a Yachid Mumcha, an expert judge. In such a case, he may release her from the vow, and if he does not, then he is prohibited to marry her. All right, that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.